0: Um, if you were not here last week, we looked at the end of Matthew, and we looked—excuse uh, me—look at the end of Luke, uh, chapter five, and we looked at Jesus and the Pharisees and their perspective on tax collectors. You remember that, right? And, and the part about the tax collector piece that we said is really important for our conversation this morning is we said tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst of all sinners, right? That's one of those great church words, sinners, right? And, and we maybe have a, an idea of what we think that means and call it, talking about sinners. And, uh, but the idea, obviously, is sinners simply represent those who, who live opposed to God's will, right? Their actions are opposed to God's will, That. That literally he they he doesn't stand in opposition to them. They stand in opposition to him. And it literally hinders his movement in, in their life. Right. And so and so in the ideas of, of Israel and, and the Jews, no one lived opposed to God's will more than these tax collectors over here. And so the Pharisees, you know, just being good religious folks said, well, we don't want to be tainted in our faith So, we're going to act like they don't exist and tell everybody how bad they are because that makes us, that probably pleases God because they're the worst of sinners. God is opposed to sin. We don't want to be tainted in ourselves, right? We don't want to become, we don't want to rub up against sin that may kind of rub up on us. And so, we're just going to completely disconnect ourselves from them and tell everyone else to remain and stay disconnected from them. And Jesus. Went, saw the invisible barrier they created and blew it down and said, no, I'm going to make them some of my closest friends. I'm going to advocate for them. I'm going to recline with them at a table. That's being pretty intimate. I'm just saying, if I came to your house and started laying down and recline says, won't you come lay down with me at the table? You would feel like that was awkward and really intimate. Right. And Jesus, of course, part of their culture it's not quite as odd, but Jesus is still doing that. Which basically says, I'm receiving you as friends and I'm calling you friends. That's what it meant in the culture to recline at the table and eat with them. And the Pharisees are pretty ticked off. And they're like, how dare you eat with sinners? I can't believe you're doing that. And Jesus looked at them. There you got to love that. That, we don't know why it does that, by the way, so I might shift back to the handheld in a second. I'm gonna give up pray pray that goes away because I hate the handheld. All right. So, but all the idea was this. He said, I came because it's not the healthy. Listen, says it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. And you've literally kept the sick from getting healing because of all the rules and regulations, and because you don't recognize that you've had sin in your own life and you think you're better than they are. And I'm telling you, I'm calling them friends. I'm drawing them in. And so what we learned are two primary things we said in Jesus' work here at the tax collectors. Number one, we recognize how much he loves even those like us who have sin and who are caught in sin. Like that is good news for you. Because whether you think, like right now, you have in your mind what you consider the worst of all sinners. Like someone's probably said, oh my gosh, do you know so-and-so? They did X, whatever it was. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm, so glad I'm not them because they're sinners and you're better than they are, at least in your own mind. Jesus is saying, well, actually, you're all pretty bad. You're all deserving of hell. But I love all of you. And there's not someone who's better than another person. So number two, he then lays out your mission. He says, now I want you actually to devote the best of your time, the best of your energy, and the best of your resources to those that you classify as being the most dirty and the greatest sinner. There's nothing biblical about saying the one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. That's not biblical. Now, Jesus says, I hang out with all the bad apples all day long, and I wash them off when I do it. And that is the sign of maturity. Jesus is saying, I want you. That's why I'm calling you to be Holy. Holiness is only demanded of those who are hanging out with those who are unholy. And so what he's saying is, I want you to give your life to those who need me the most because I created them and I love them. So we see in this is a I mean, y'all, you're like, OK, that's great. No, I'm saying this is Revolutionary. This is revolutionary for Jesus. This is revolutionary for the disciples. It's revolutionary for the Pharisees. They don't like him. This is overwhelming. He is totally changing perspective. He's giving a completely new view. It's a new understanding of faith and of being a believer. So he comes in Luke chapter 6. And he destroys their perspective yet again. Have your Bibles. You can turn there and put them on the screen, starting right here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 6. It says, one Sabbath. This is important. Sabbath. All of us probably know what Sabbath is, but for the one person who doesn't, let me help you. Sabbath equals, in Genesis, the seventh day, right? That day of rest. That, That, call it Shabbat, means to rest or to cease from from work and to celebrate Shabbat, Sabbath, rest, equal, 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 right? Shabbat equals Sabbath, Sabbath equals rest and it represents resting from resting from work so that you can celebrate, right? Resting so you can celebrate or resting simply for for resting's sake. OK, and this is something that God commanded in Exodus 16, chapter 20 says, I want you to to set this day aside. I want you to remember this day. OK, so it says on Sabbath, Jesus was going to the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for a priest to eat and also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of me. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at all of them and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. And his hand was completely restored but they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Dun, dun, dun. Because this is the beginning of the plot to kill him. What you just read was so offensive to the Pharisees, so offensive to those who were religious, that this began the plotting which would ultimately lead to Easter, which would ultimately lead to his death, which would ultimately lead to his resurrection. His death... His this journey leading to his death ultimately began in this moment, plotting against him. You have to recognize that the Sabbath represented this this celebration. It was a literally considered a festival of sorts, right? It was a day in which they would they would cease, they would cease their work, they would rest. And with that, this is important for the story here, especially for the for the things that we saw here in the in in these two scenarios that caused them to get so frustrated. You have to recognize that there was what's called ceremonial law, basically representing that every ceremony, every festival, every celebration that was going on in the midst of the Jewish people in the context of the nation of Israel. There were all these laws that were associated with it. Basically, all the things that you need to do to make sure that when you celebrate it, for what, when you celebrate it, when you when you engage it, that you don't do anything that makes you unclean before God. Right? Keeping you pure. Making sure you basically celebrate it right. All right? You're celebrating it right. So, like, 4th of July, make sure you have American flags, you have fried chicken, right? Make sure there's these things in place. You know what I'm getting right? There's all these things you have to do by law, and it's called ceremonial law, law for ceremonies. Okay? And so, in the context, there were all these laws. And literally, go back and read it sometime, but I'm not going to go through all of them. I mean, like, it's a really, really, really long list of what you can eat, how many steps you can take in a day, what you can do, how you can walk with, walk with, walk with a donkey this far but not this far. And there's – listen, there's – I mean, think of – and here's the thing. Think about how many laws you have in America, let alone, let's say, Georgia, and how many of them you actually don't know, right? Like, for example, I drive down the highway. I, my car just always finds itself in the fast lane. I don't know why. It just does, right? And I'm always in the fast lane. And I'm behind people who do not know that the state law in Georgia, if if someone is coming up from behind you who is going faster than you, by law, you have to get over. One percent of Georgians know this. And listen. Listen. And Floridians, I hate, I hate driving behind them. No Floridian ever gets over. I'm behind them flashing my lights in Jesus' name, right? Get over, right? All day long, flashing them, telling them to get over, right? It, I really do not like Floridians in driving. Y'all are great people other than that, but, but driving, y'all are awful. And so, so, anyway, so you get this whole dynamic going down. We just don't know the laws. And so, I mean, and again, you look at some of the laws. I'm going to give you some, some real laws. In surrounding states, and then give you some in Georgia, in Alabama, it's illegal to play dominoes on Sunday. True law, right? It is. Listen, it's this is my this is awesome. You should do this next week, guys. Just to like just to like mess with people. It's illegal to wear a fake mustache that causes laughter in church. True law, right there, right? In Florida, in Florida, unmarried women who parachute on Sundays may be jailed. How random is that, right? In Sarasota, Florida, it's illegal to sing while wearing a bathing suit. Listen, I don't know. Whoever was singing when that law was made must have been really bad, right? In the state of Georgia, and guys, listen to this one because you've already all broken the law, most of you. All males in the state between the ages of 16 and 50, are required to work on public roads. Did you know that, right? How many of you have worked on public roads? I'm like, yes, yeah, so this like Bill's the only one. The rest of you are going to jail, okay? Here we go. He's like, In Quitman, Georgia, it's illegal for a chicken to cross a road. In Georgia, it's illegal. Listen, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's illegal to change the clothes on a storefront mannequin unless the shades are down. Right, for purity's sake. Okay, some guys are struggling. Right, listen, in the state of in the state of Georgia, in the state of Georgia, do, this is the true And I actually saw this on national news. Donkeys cannot be kept in bathtubs in the state of Georgia. I don't know what that means, right? And even in Ackworth, for those of you who live there, all citizens must own a rake. I have no idea why, right? So if you don't own a rake, I could put you in jail right now, right? Citizens arrest. Now, now, so in this idea here, then, I just named all these laws, and, and none of you in this room knew all of those, right? You may have known a couple here and there because you've read the website and all that kind of stuff, but you live in ignorance. And Scripture tells us, as it relates to ceremonial law, that people were always committing sins of ignorance. They just didn't know any better. They didn't know all the law. And so that's why they're always having to sacrifice. They're sacrificing for their known sin and for the myriad of unknown sins of ignorance they were committing. And so around Sabbath, the ceremony, there were all sorts of laws that were created that honestly had caused Sabbath probably to become more about a day of stress and tension than anything else. Because the only ones who really knew probably most of the law was the Pharisees. And they made sure that you knew how bad of a sinner you were for the things you did not do. And so Sabbath became a remembrance that led to stress and tension. I mean, how many of you remember growing up in church and church had a lot of stress intention to it. How many of you got yelled at growing up because you didn't wear the right clothes and people may be embarrassed, right? Stress, intention, whatever it may be. All sorts of stress and tension that revolved around ceremonial law. And so Jesus, the thing is this, the Pharisees had created like this invisible wall, right? Of laws and Jesus sees it and he intentionally walks through it to crush their perspective Because of something very simple, he wanted to restore the people's understanding to what Sabbath, what Shabbat, what rest was supposed to be and to remove the stress and the tension that it had become. Sabbath was given to promote life and it did the exact opposite for Israel. And so the two scenarios that, that they're breaking law in, number one is in verse one and two, where they're walking through, they're hungry. I don't know if they've eaten or not. Maybe they're just hungry. Maybe they haven't eaten all day and they're walking and, and, and they see heads of grain. And so you've seen it, they kind of walk through and you kind of brush your hands on it and they grabbed hold of one. They put it in their hand, rubbed it like this. They reached in, reached the kernels out and began to eat them because they were hungry, right? So we had this idea of, Picking heads of grain, rubbing them together. And so the Mishnah, the Mishnah was the first published list of ceremonial laws. see It was this list they published of all the laws in 217 AD. And it states that people are permitted. And it says this about the Sabbath. You are allowed to pick a head of grain with your hand. But you cannot rub it together in your hand because that's considered threshing. And threshing was opposed to ceremonial law on the Sabbath. That's kind of crazy, right? Donkey in the bathtub type stuff, right? What are you talking about? Verses six through nine talks about the healing of a man with a withered hand on Sabbath, right? Now the piece I want you this is this is beautiful here. Like you know, like you know sometimes Jesus looked to pick a fight, right? Like, you know that sometimes he was the aggressor. They did not. Listen, it says the Pharisees were standing to see if he would. They weren't saying anything. They were just standing there, minding their own business. Some some theologians say that they may have actually planted the man with the withered hand in Jesus' presence just to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And so Jesus picks a fight. He says, he comes down, right? He says, man with withered hand, stand up. He's like, uh, right? They didn't ask him to stand up. They didn't say to him, Jesus, is it okay? He says, won't you come over here and stand? Looks and says, is it proper to bring life or death? Is it proper to heal or to not heal, right? And he says, in Jesus, he says, in my name, you're healed, right? All of a sudden, right? Glowing arm. Pharisees get angry. The Mishnah tells us in ceremonial law it's okay to heal on the Sabbath. If the person is going to die that day, but if you could heal them tomorrow, then do not heal them and wait. And Jesus looked at him and says, in so many words, I'm going to paraphrase for Jesus here just to help him out. Some that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, <laughs> right? I mean, he didn't really say that. That's what he wanted to say. He says, he says, man, stand up, watch this. I'm about to walk through your invisible wall of legalism, of religion, and I'm about to do something that you think is wrong. But I'm going to tell you, because it says later Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. I'm telling you, I'm taking it back. I'm taking back what belongs to me. You've stolen what belongs to us. You've stolen our intention of Sabbath in the rest that, that, that God we made there in Genesis, right? You've stolen and I'm going to bring it back. Back because the nature, right, the nature of of Sabbath was ultimately to proclaim healing, restoration, and salvation for those whom God loves. Restoration, healing, and salvation, expressing the love of God. But again, let's be fair to the Pharisees, let's be fair to them, right? These laws were created with good intention, Sabbath, day of rest, God told us to keep it Holy Exodus 16 and chapter 20. This is what we've got to set aside. we have to remember because it, it, listen, when we, the, this, the, the law was literally designed to keep the Jews Jewish people focused on the Sabbath, focused on God, and to not forget about it or to forget about God. We've got to keep these laws, to remain pure, to remain true, to remember God, to keep our eyes focused on Him. But in the context of all of that, they had created all these laws that had stripped the reality of it away. So this morning, I'm just going to kind of dive into a little bit of the, just the reality of Sabbath. There's so many things you could say about it. And honestly, so many things that are still kind of let that Scripture really did not define very clearly for us. But but in verse nine, Jesus gives a picture of his heart for Sabbath. And the question that he asks. it says he says this looking at them with the to get a picture Withered hand man right here, Pharisees right here. And he looks at them. The Pharisees says, "I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? Is it lawful to save life or destroy it?" Now the the answer seems obvious, right? I mean, that's why they're silent in the moment. They're like, "How do we answer this?" Because we can't be caught in this, right? So we're just not going to say anything. And Jesus says, says, man, hey, put your hand out. And it was healed in the moment, right? It's obviously best to do good and to save life. And in this, we see the heart of Jesus and what he's trying to restore to the people and their understanding of, of, of the man on the Sabbath. He's trying to restore understanding what the Sabbath is all about. You see the two points and here in this. Obviously, the guy with the withered hand. There's a level of restoration and salvation that he needs from brokenness and from his ailment. Jesus wants to heal that. The idea, what's up with the whole rubbing of kernels of this thing, Steve? What's that all about? Well, he goes and says, listen, when you saw David in the scripture and they were hungry on the Sabbath, they went in, got the bread, walked down, he shared it, and they ate it together. Because Why? Because Jesus says, I want to fill the stomachs of those who are hungry. I want to meet the need of those that are in need. When they grabbed that because they were hungry, I wanted to meet that. Need. He's coming and speaking, and most thing, Sabbath is not designed as a as a day simply to remember, to create some laws, make sure we abide by it. Sabbath was created to point to the need for salvation and restoration and healing from the only one who could give it. So I want to do this morning. I just want to kind of dive into to some of these pieces about Sabbath. Some of them are kind of theoretical in nature, theological, and some of them are real practical in nature. The first thing I want you to consider about Sabbath and Jesus' intention is this. This is, this is somewhat important to some of you to think about. Rest was a creation. Before this moment, someone said Sabbath. They're like, what? Shabbat? Huh? Rest? Mm-mm. What does that even mean? In the moment, we see wasn't just a day of rest, it was a day of creation of rest. Because there's something intentional, something powerful, something needed in the context of, of creation, that creation literally would be incomplete and imperfect unless rest were created and God modeled it for us so that we could learn from Him. Rest was a creation. He did not rest from creation. He created rest. And you know what I'm meaning that, right? There's this beautiful reality of the creation of Sabbath, the creation of Shabbat, the 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 listen, it's a celebration of rest. It's a celebration of rest. We would have been incomplete knowledge of rest, the need for rest And the fact that God, that only God can create rest is what we live in. I want you to hear that. Rest is something God created. It's only still something God creates and uses and can ultimately use. He created it. He's using it. Without God, there is no rest. Listen. So with this in mind, number two, we need rest. We need rest. why do you think our bodies so long for rest after a long day's work? Is it because you are frail or because your body is being obedient to what God how God designed it? Rest is something he gives as a gift the most practical the simplistic way of seeing Sabbath is We were created to rest. We were created to Shabbat. We were created to Sabbath. We were created for a celebration of God, a celebration of of seeing what he's done. We've been created to to look back on our day and celebrate what's been done. We we were created to to rest, to Shabbat, to have Sabbath. We've been created with this longing, with this need that God created. He modeled for us. And so we then live then very simplistically saying, listen, in our culture, you have been designed to rest. And in our culture, we by nature strive in our own strength, try to get to places in our own power. We become the Lord of our own life. And then what happens? We burn out. And God says, burnout is also my gift to you. Falling flat on your face, you're welcome. I let you do that. I created that too just to let you know when you're in your own strength, in your own power, and you've left me behind to do it in your own strength. Sometimes i got to just make you fall down to make you rest. Rest was created by God for his people, he modeled it for us as a need. But the third, even deeper thing is that rest speaks of our need then for Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. We love quoting this one. Jesus says, come to me, all who listen, put this language. It fits us, right? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Let me put that in our terms, right? Come to me, all of you who work way too much, feel like you're dying in the process, and you feel like you wake up every day, the 10,000-pound gorilla just leaping on your head all day long, right? It's kind of put in your terms, right? And when you come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke of labor, right? Take my yoke of work upon you and learn from me, for I, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I promise... You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember, Shabbat, Sabbath, day of stress, sins of ignorance. I'm freaking out. I've got to get prepared to go by to the bull and make some sacrifice. I'm going to mess up again today. Stressing out over here about Shabbat. It's the day of rest. But I'll tell you who ain't resting. This guy right here. And Jesus comes in and says, well, actually, Sabbath. Our true rest, your true rest, is found in me. And herein, listen, this is where it gets deep. This is where the aha moment happens. If you haven't paid attention, listen right here, Chase. Just kidding, buddy. I love you, man. I'll think about you this week, man. glad you're here. Our true rest, right? God's, listen, the center point, the climax, the crux of Sabbath is this. God's command to rest on the seventh day. Setting it aside for us to remember and to celebrate is not just, it's not remembering a moment in the past, but it primarily looks forward to the day when full and complete rest, Sabbath, could be and would be and will be experienced in Jesus. Let me put that in language, right? God says, I'm going to create Sabbath with an arrow pointing to Jesus. And when you celebrate it, it's not just so you're remembering some moment of something that God did in the past. It's pointing to the day when this will be experienced and expressed. Fully and completely in the person of Jesus. Listen, all of us know the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? It's this great Old Testament story. People tell it all the time. And then we look back to the story. But listen, we don't look to the story just to remember an historical fact and it's a history story about Abraham and Isaac. We know that story was created by God to point to the day when God had to sacrifice his own son. We don't just celebrate this. We let this point to this because this changed everything. Sabbath. A remembrance, a day I rested, a day when I created rest. And I want you, I created it so it points to the day when Jesus comes on the scene. He redeems Sabbath for what it is. as a day of healing, a day of restoration, and a day of salvation where the love of God is fully expressed. So in your moments of tension, in the moments of hardship, in these moments, Jesus gives Rest, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We look, to, he's saying, listen, stop celebrating the day, and realize it's pointing to me. And you don't just now have to rest for a day. I'm giving you rest, twenty four seven, as you need it. Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen and seventeen. Therefore. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or in drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Jesus. Do you like that? Should The weight of that should just begin to kind of sink in the substance of Sabbath is embodied Fully and completely in the person of Jesus. So, so meaning in the moment, right? Meaning in this moment that, that, that in our lives... This idea of this t- choosing a day to rest isn't his expectation. He's saying the day points to the fullness of what I want to do. I have the substance of Sabbath in me. When I come to live in your life, in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your hell, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your withered hand, in the midst of your hunger, I can fill you completely and give you rest. Which leads to the fourth thing. Rest, then, it requires us to let Jesus move. When I rest from something, what am I doing? Absolutely not. Listen, I'm a really good rester. When I rest, I don't do diddly squat. Right? I'm sitting back, sitting back, and I was like, come help me in here. I'm like, baby, I'm resting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Get in here. Yes, man, Right? So there's a whole bunch of but, but, I, but I rest. I rest well. Right? And when I'm resting... Right. I'm resting in the midst of rest. What needs to be done has to get done by someone else and their power, their abilities. And so when I then am resting in God, I'm then allowing his power and his movement to move through me to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish. The reality God has for us as a lifestyle is one of eternal rest. Even in the midst of temporary insanity, do you hear that? Like I don't know about your life, my life. Very often, I could describe it as temporary insanity. Everything's going crazy, oh, right? He says, "No." In those moments, right? In those, we are we were not unaware. Listen, in those moments of rest, we're not unaware of sorrow and afflictions. We we are not immune to hard work and physical exertion, but we are awakened to God's rest. In peace and celebration, in the midst of all the what we have going on. Listen, God is speaking. Jesus is speaking, saying, "Guys, you've made it a day of remembrance of a moment that has all these things attached to it, but there's no life." And I want us to redeem fully. I want us to recapture. The full meaning of what Sabbath means. I have come to give you life. I have come to live in you. So that as you exert energy, as you move, that that you are resting in me to make things happen even in the midst of temporary insanity. So in the presence of mine enemies, you can sit at the table I have prepared. Yea, thou walk the valley of the shadow of death, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Shabbat. Sabbath. Rest in the midst of insanity, in the midst of affliction, in the midst of medical issues, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a withered hand, in the midst of extreme hunger. God says, Shabbat, Sabbath, rest, this. Is what I have for you because this is not a day about duty. It's a day of me expressing the power and the fullness of my compassion, my mercy, and my love through you because I know you will burn out. I know you will get overwhelmed. I realize it in your life. I see how America pushes you, I see the culture in which you live, but I have rest for you. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you Shabbat. I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. Some people say, oh my gosh, Steve, are we supposed to still keep the Sabbath? Are we supposed to still set, a, set a day apart, to be completely honest with you? The Bible is very uh, silent on that. And so kind of where I land is this. There's no legalism in this. And so I say... I love setting aside a day. I love the idea of remembrance. I love the day of this idea of Shabbat. I love literally leaving here, leaving all of you and not answering your phone calls and just resting with my family and Jesus. I love that. Praise God. Right? I love Shabbat. I love this rest. What I love even more is that every day in the context of everything that I am doing, I know I have Shabbat and Sabbath with the Lord as it relates to everything going on in my life. Talking to someone earlier, said, "I feel the stress about this, but I see that Sabbath is God's gift to me in the midst of my fear of failure, my fear of rejection. I see God's Shabbat and rest in that, Steve. I pray with me that that would be simply a. This is important. Simply pray that I would be awakened to what's already present in my life through Jesus. Do you see the difference in that?" God, I'm praying you, give me Shabbat, give me your rest. Jesus, Or are saying, God, I grab hold of what you've already promised, that Shabbat, Sabbath, rest belongs to me. I take your burden. I take your yoke. And I receive that in the midst of this massive life decision. I pray all the time. I pray all the time. God, I want to remind you what you promised. <laughs> I submit myself to you. I'm about to burn out. I need Sabbath. I need rest. Come and speak into the core of my being, God, so that my energies are not birthed out of stress. They are birthed out of the love of God and the peace of God. And God, I can't make that happen, so I'm just going to pull back and rest and trust that you're caring for me and that you will take care of the things I'm resting from. That you then would empower me to step back in to exert energy into the things you have for me. You need to rest. Don't be like those, those guys who play video games for 72 hours and die because they didn't get any rest. Don't be those guys. Rest in Jesus. This morning, for, for our, just our time of, of ministry, we want to... We want to die to legalism. I want you to recognize: if you want to celebrate Shabbat, then celebrate it. Take your take your Saturday. I don't care what day you take it. The Bible doesn't care either. To be really honest with you, you can get all mad at me if you want to, but it doesn't say anything about it. If you want to take Shabbat, you take take a day. Take a Shabbat. Take a rest. Take a Sabbath, man. And you can say I was doing an obedience to Jesus because the Bible talks about it. That's awesome. Or you may come say, "Well, I couldn't do it this day because i but I'm living as long as I'm living in Shabbat, I'm resting in God." Every day in receiving his Sabbath rest as a lifestyle. Don't get caught up in the, oh, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And just embrace the truth and the reality that Jesus took down the pharisaical wall, the invisible wall of rules and law and said, I just want you to be healed, set free, and saved. So that you can walk in the beauty of my love for you. And a holy rest, even in temporary insanity in the midst of your enemies. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence with us. Lord, I thank you that. I thank you. I just thank you for rest. God, I thank you that the last thing you created was rest. And I love that. I love the rest. God, I praise you that you bring rest for us. And I pray, Father, this morning, Jesus, that. That you really would just begin to speak. God, just help us die to these walls. That Even those parts of us that are defending some sermon we heard 30 years ago about Sabbath, Lord, that really wasn't from you, God. I pray, help us to die to bad theology. And recognize the greatest theology is about loving God, loving neighbor, and being loved by God. Doesn't mean I can't, I can't do anything I want to, but God, you know what I mean? Like This idea of, God, what releases me best into loving you fully? And I pray, Father, this morning you would help us to awaken to the rest of Jesus. You would help us to awaken, God, the Shabbat that you have for us every day of our lives, Jesus. God, I pray that you would make our time with you in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our insanity, God. You would make it beautiful and wonderful because you brought rest into that place. God, I pray for those this morning, God, who are carrying weights that even six months ago, they never knew a year ago. They never knew they were going to have to carry Maybe some for the rest of their life. I pray, Father, for holy rest upon them this morning. God, they don't even have the, they're so tired, they don't even know how to look to you for Shabbat. I pray you just bring it supernaturally. I pray this morning you would nail them with your peace and they go, God is good. God, we invite you, we we say, God, and we invite you to awaken us, God, to what's already present in Jesus, in us, Shabbat and rest and Sabbath. Oh, God. Fill our mouths with laughter, with joy in the midst of our enemies because of the goodness of what God's poured out upon us. The love he's lavished upon us. Jesus, I praise you. The substance of Sabbath resides in you. And you reside in us with the full substance of Sabbath. Have your way this morning, Jesus. Amen. We're going to respond this morning. We have ministry teams that will be available. They're going to go ahead and come forward now. We're going to worship for a while. Hear this. Take a deep breath this morning. Some of you are in this place of saying, Steve, I I can barely make it. God wants to give you rest. Some of you are like, I'm completely clueless of anything you just talked about because I'm so focused on something else. You're on the pathway to burnout. You need rest. Ask God to wake you up this morning. God wants to pour himself out. He wants to love on you. I'll say this in the first service. I'm not picking on you. There are some of you in this room that I know are dying. You're already like in this process. You're like, no, I'm strong. I'm good. I'm good, I'm good in Jesus. You are good in Jesus, but you're not, you're not receiving his rest very well right now. I don't want to pull you out of your chairs and make you get prayer. So you come forward yourself and get prayer because God wants to love on you. He wants to pour himself out upon you. We have our offering for those of you who are new. We have our offering baskets here. We invite you to give as the Lord leads. We have communion. You can celebrate this morning. But what I would say and this last thing i to leave you with, and this is something kind of outside the box. I want you, those of you who are here, just kind of look around and. And see who God would have you pray for. Now, you ha- there's the caveat: you have to know them. I don't want stranger danger prayers, right? I want people who know people praying for people that they know, okay? And I want to just release you this morning to come alongside of those who need rest, those who are struggling, and and you see it. Just come along and say, hey, and you have to know their names so you can pray for them, right? And you pray for them. Just Bless them. Don't do anything weird. Don't give them some prophetic word about what's going to happen in 30 years in their life. Just release the love of God in their life. Love on them. Okay? Respond as the Lord leads. Tate's going to lead worship for a little bit, for a song. He's going to pray for us and then release you. And then after that, we're going to continue to worship. Okay? Make sure you say hey to Tate. Tate was here from the beginning at Vintage. And then he deserted us and left. We still love him. Anyway, you guys respond as the Lord leads. And um, it'll be great.
1: and who I am there you go lifting my Lord again so take a moment to remember who God is. No longer am I held by the yoke of this world. Come upon to the yoke of Jesus. Yok yoke is easy. His burden is so light. His burden is so light. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lift in my Lord again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting in my Lord again. No longer am I held by the yoke of this world. Come upon the yoke of Jesus. His yoke is easy, his burden is so light. No longer am I held by the yoke Of this world Come upon the yoke of Jesus His yoke is easy His burden is so light His burden is so light You're lifting my load You're lifting my load You're lifting my load you lift in my Lord. 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 Try as a maid and chase another lover, I find, I find, there is none other than you. Try as a maid and chase another lover, I find, I find, there is none other than you. Try as a bird to chase another lover. Find, find, there is another than you. you you're lifting my Lord. You're lifting my Lord. You're lifting my Lord. You're lifting my Lord. You listen my load, you listen my load, you listen my load, you lifted my load, no longer am I here by the earth. Of this world, come upon to the yoke of Jesus. yoke is easy, it's burden, it's so light. No longer am I held by the yoke of this world. Come upon to the yoke of Jesus. yoke is easy, it's burden, it's so light. His burden is so light.